1: second hour of Outkick 360 and we kick things off with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle we're glad you're with us as well across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski I'm Jonathan Hutton John McClain joins us from Houston where the Texans are preparing for a Thursday night matchup against the Panthers busy short week for John McClain who you can follow on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL John hope you're doing well going into week three how's houston
2: houston is hot as usual but yes i'm doing great thank you for asking
1: two let's kick off with so i want to get if you're a believer of some two and oh teams and i've got three in mind chad and paul or they can jump in as well if they think of someone else but i think there are three specifics that with a good start we they've turned some heads first let's start with carolina Are you buying what Carolina has done through two weeks at 2-0?
2: I'm buying what they did against the Saints, but Saints had eight coaches out, including six offensive, and Carolina will beat Houston to be 3-0, but I'm not buying them as a playoff team.
1: How about the Broncos?
2: No. Broncos have played an incredibly easy schedule.
1: Schedule is easy, I agree with you, Jets and Jags, but... They they went on the road and won both. Giants and Jags, excuse me. That, winning on the road now going back home is to their benefit, but I, I tend to agree. Guys, you agree. Not believing in the Broncos. I, I, not
3: no. totally believing in the Broncos, They're but impressed it. so far, yeah.
1: even against a bad schedule. How about the Raiders at 2 and 0, John?
2: I am because of uh, the way they won, who they beat, going to Pittsburgh and winning after Pittsburgh had gone to Buffalo. Beat up on the Bills. I was very impressed with the Raiders. Now, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs because they haven't had a winning record under John Gruden. And we'll point out, every year there are teams that come flying out of the gate. They might be 5-0, and then they fade as they get close to the finish line in the crunch time of December. And there's a reason. People always say it's not what you do in September In October, it's November and December, and hopefully January.
0: And that's what the Raiders have consistently done since Gruden has been back. They've been a pretty good team until the end, and they, they fade. So we're not going to know if they've solved their issues until we see what they do the last six weeks of the
1: season well the, the big question John is are you buying Carr and Gruden right that's that's immediately what comes to mind is do you think Derek Carr can be as consistent as he's been it was a struggle in the first half on Monday Night Football in the week one and then over the last six quarters it's been very good he's thrown for over 800 yards combined.
2: I thought when Gruden took over, he would keep Carr for a year and then get rid of him and bring in his own guy. Obviously, they get along and have a good working relationship. Carr played very well last year. Not great, but very well. And uh, he's off to a good start. So, yeah, I'm believing in Carr and Gruden because what else is there?
3: John, I'm going to go flip side. Two 0-2 teams, I want to ask if you believe they're going to bounce back and be okay as the year goes on. Let's start with the Minnesota Vikings at 0-2.
2: Chadillac, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but I think they'll bounce back from 0-2. They're probably going to be 0-3, finish somewhere in the 8-9, 9-8 range.
3: Now this next one is a little bit muddied because of the quarterback injury situation to Carson Wentz, but the Colts are 0-2 after a brutal schedule start to their season with Seattle and the Rams. Are you buying a bounce back from them?
2: A bounce back, yes, but not to be a division titleist. I still believe that's going to be the Titans, even though the Titans got obliterated and then rallied to an impressive victory at Seattle. So I still think they're going to run away with division. But, you know, Carson Wentz having those two ankle injuries, even if he comes back, there's no guarantee they're even going to be a wild card contender. They got a good defense. They got a good running game. But they got to get a lot better play out of their quarterbacks. I got to get some receivers healthy.
0: Ezekiel Elliott got six years, ninety million dollars. Tony Pollard was the better back this week, and there's a lot of talk about a split workload in, in Dallas. Uh, I, I mean, it's impressive if they'll allow for it based on Tony Pollard being good. Will they continue to allow for it, and not be dictated to by by
2: the contract? And what's it say about Ezekiel Elliott? He didn't play in the preseason. He looked bad in the first game, and he had to turn around. Tony Pollard's always been a good back in, in preseason because he's gotten the bulk of the carries in preseason. So I would imagine Mike McCarthy, if he's going to do that, say make it 50-50 or 55-45, that's going to hurt Elliott's ego, and he's not going to stay quiet about it. So I still think they got to do everything they can to see if he can get it together and be the back that he should be, which he should be not the best in the NFL, but certainly one of the top five or six. And so far, he's not.
1: How about the Dallas defense? That's the storyline of their team right now. Uh, where they lose in week one. They gave up a ton of yards and points. We, we watched the, the Thursday night game against the Bucks. They go on the road. Granted, they had 10 days to get ready for the Chargers, but the Chargers had seven offensive possessions that reached at least the Dallas 33-yard line, and they allowed only one touchdown of those seven possessions. This is the Dallas defense that we were clamoring about preseason of last year, turning things around that never really did. Their offense gives them multiple ways to win, Can their defense, can their defense do enough to keep them in these games like they did on Sunday? They end up winning by a field goal.
2: What we're seeing now is what happens when you get a good coordinator. Dan Quinn, Mike Nolan, who was given the job kind of as a reward for making Mike McCarthy an offensive coordinator in San Francisco. That did not work out. Dan Quinn, of course, was fired in Atlanta. And and Dan Quinn's a proven commodity. He did a great job as a coordinator at Seattle, which helped you get the Falcons' job. So I don't think they're going to be dominant. They've had some injuries, but they just don't want to be a weak link that's going to force the offensive to have to score almost 30 points every week because that's not possible unless you're Tampa Bay. And in the Bucks' 10-game winning streak, they're averaging almost 35 points a game.
1: Glad you mentioned Dan Quinn, John, because Quinn has already made a slight adjustment. And I'm sure this will very week to week but he moved Micah Parsons up to defensive end for this game you know in week two normally you stick the rookie in and you let him just go play I like the fact that they have found ways to allow Parsons their first round pick to make an impact against certain game plans and schemes this was very it worked out to their favor
2: they had to move him up because Lawrence is out that was why they did it otherwise they would have kept it a linebacker. After watching them on Hard Knocks, you could tell how high they were on Mike Parsons. And you could, when the coaches would talk about him, and of course they always knew they were on camera, but they don't praise every player like they praised him. They liked his attitude. Of course, they liked his ability. Everybody could see the tangibles, but what they found out in training camp with intangibles, mainly, that guy's motor never stops. Plus, he's got he's football savvy, which means you can put a lot on his plate. Now, where he is, they just want him to get upfield, get after the quarterback, be disruptive in the running game. And so far, he shows he, he can do that. And a lot of people like him, and people are starting to talk about him as an early candidate for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Although, to me, it's way too early to do that after two games.
3: So, the Cowboys are a good defensive story from Sunday. On the flip side of that, the Chiefs gave up 251 rushing yards to the Baltimore Ravens. John, we know the Chiefs are going to be there all season. We know the offense is going to score a lot of points. Is it time to start to get concerned about that Chiefs defense when you look at them trying to get back to the Super Bowl?
2: No, because they gave up those yards to the team that's led the NFL rushing the last two years because Lamar Jackson is the greatest running quarterback in history and he showed that again in this game where they had to constantly come from behind and when he couldn't find receivers he took off and the Chiefs had no answer for him and most teams don't. What made that game so impressive to me in the coaching job by John Harbaugh was the fact they lost their top three running backs. I do not know another team that could withstand losses like that at the start of the season but they're very close to being 0-2, and uh, they pulled it out, and they're going to be a factor with anybody they play because they run the ball so well. And no matter how much you've game plan for Lamar Jackson to try to keep him in the pocket and make him throw through the boundaries, sometimes you just can't do it.
1: And the Baltimore Ravens, despite all those injuries in the backfield. You're right, John. They led the league in week one. They lead the league after week two uh, with yards out of the backfield. It's impressive what they've done with their scheme. Lamar Jackson also made some some really nice throws. Uh, I, I know he, he threw two picks in that first quarter against Kansas City. Do you buy the, and he mentioned this post game about getting the monkey off their back uh, of Kansas City. Now that, that that mental hurdle is behind them, he feels like they can move forward as an organization and take a big step. Do you buy that or is that a postseason issue?
2: I think that's a crock. You know, they, they got by Kansas City in regular season. That's like in 2019, the Texans wanted Arrowhead Stadium. And then they go back to Arrowhead Stadium in the divisional round of the playoffs and look what happened to them. They got crushed. So that that sounds good on paper, and people might might believe it for a while. Bottom line is if they play in the playoffs they've got to beat them then and the Ravens have not been a good playoff team
0: NFL uh Peyton Manning obviously doesn't have NFL ownership level stakes but uh, how much might they like him to be involved with an ownership group that ultimately buys the Broncos who are going to be sold here because the Bolin family can't sort things out amongst themselves
2: they're talking about the price on that could be 3.5 billion and mm. i can't imagine they would get 3.5 maybe they will with the new tv contract uh going up to 10.7 billion the uh gambling the money they expect to make from gambling the price of the franchises have gone up uh Peyton manning wants to run a front office and um, he's still got john elway there although Elway's not the GM running the show anymore, that's George Payton. Payton wants to run a front office in which he makes the decision. And this is a process that might take a year, or two years before they pull it off and no telling where the Broncos would be then. But if they reach out to him and they said, hey, we want you to come in and oversee everything, I'm sure he'd do it, but a GM wouldn't want to work for him if he's making final say on personnel.
3: John, total hypothetical. But who would the league rather have as the face, the ownership face of the Denver Broncos, Jeff Bezos or (laughs) Jay-Z?
2: I believe it'd be Jeff Bezos because he's the wealthiest man in the country. In the world. And uh, whatever he wants, because he's a partner of theirs, uh, an Amazon Mm -hmm. streaming. So I would say they'd rather have him.
1: Either way. What's the percentage that they need to vote through a potential owner or a sale?
2: Three fourths. You got to have thirty. You got to be liquid for thirty percent. Means you got to come up with a cash. Well, Bezos could do it with yeah. no issue, and I don't yeah. know. Jay Z's worth a lot of money, but he's no Amazon. He's
3: one point eight billion, and you said it's going to be over three. John was the estimate.
2: And they're talking about three and a half billion. So what's thirty percent of three and a half billion? Most think they're going to have to drop that or reduce it significantly. Because that's been in effect since franchises were sold in the only in the hundreds of millions.
0: Yeah, that's going to narrow the pool substantially uh, and and make it rarefied air. We were talking earlier, Dalton out, Tua out. Tarod Taylor out. Carson Wentz out. When we come back, we'll ask you about the injury run at quarterback. Big Ben also injured this week. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, our guest. We'll talk quarterback injuries when we return.
1: Hang out with us here with John McClain on OutKick 360. We talk football every day of the year. And wall to wall during football season, alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. If you're listening in Florence, Alabama, Huntsville, Muscle Shoals, Knoxville, Tennessee, if you're joining us live right here in Nashville on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it might be, we say thank you. And we're joined by John McClain for the next 20 minutes.
0: John Andy Dalton, to a tongue of aloha, to Rod Taylor. Carson Wentz, and now Ben Roethlisberger, all hurt uh, and questionable at best for the coming weekend. How alarming to have such a big quarterback injury list off just one Sunday of the NFL. Well,
2: we've seen it happen before because of the nature of the position. Some of those guys might not be out very long. Tyrod Taylor, the Texans are saying it's week to week. Fact is, he's going to be out at least a month with a hamstring injury, and he was playing really well. When he went down uh, in halftime uh, at the Cleveland, it was 14-14. Now, they're starting a rookie, Davis Mills, third-round pick, Nick Casario's first pick because he didn't have the first two, and a lot of people here are like, well, they think he's going to do real well, and I'm like, why? He's quarterback of a team. Everybody says he's going to be the worst in the league. The top two picks, Trevor Lawrence, generational talent, He's 0-2. He's got a 57.1 rating. The number two pick, Zach Wilson of the Jets, he's been awful. His rating is 56.1. Of those starting the five quarterbacks taken in the first round, the only one who's been decent is Mac is Mac Jones and he beat the Jets. You know. So what's the big deal? Mac Jones right now is uh, 96.7, one touchdown and no interception. So If you're a rookie quarterback, everybody'd love to find a Russell Wilson in the third round, a Dak Prescott in the fourth, Tom Brady in the sixth. But that's rare. And you're not going to find many that are going to play like Andrew Luck, who took the Colts from first, went 11-5. So expectations for rookie quarterbacks shouldn't be high. They should be low. And That's what they are with Davis Mills. But Texans, we're going to have to look at him some point, Paul, because they got to know. Do they think he can be the guy to replace Deshaun Watson, or do they have to target that position with their first pick in the draft? So he might as well be now as later on in the season. Taylor will be back. But you talk about a hard luck story. Tyrod Taylor, third time in four years, he's been the starter, and he's been injured early and replaced by a rookie.
3: John, I love that you brought up Davis Mills because we were having this discussion earlier and you bring up a lot of great points about what it's going to look like for him with this Texans team. I guess my question is, what can he do this season to prove something to the Texans other than just survive this season for what it is?
2: Well, one of the things that uh, I wrote about today in a column that's on our sports website, texassportsnation.com, is how many games he started at Stanford, 11. And now, those quarterbacks I mentioned earlier, Russell Wilson started four years. Dak Prescott started three. Tom Brady started two. Last year, the quarterbacks taken ahead of Mills. Uh, Trevor Lawrence had 36. Wilson, 28. Phil's 22. Lanson Jones, 17 each. Kyle Trask, 22. And Kellen Mond of a m who went to Minnesota, started 46 games. In college, So Mills had on 11. Early on, like right now, he's got to just manage the game. But when Taylor comes back, say five games, their their bye week is after nine games. At some point, they're going to need to see Mills down the stretch to see what he learned from this early season playing time. Odds are he's not going to be the guy. There was a reason he was a third-round pick. But they're not going to know unless they play him. So I'm pretty sure this time next year they're going to have a new quarterback who'll come high in the first round. And one thing that uh, Davis Mills did, he comes into Cleveland, has two rough series, takes them to a touchdown, throws a touchdown pass, it's 24-21 in the fourth quarter. Then the Browns, with the running game scored, then Mills takes them down, they go for a field goal, had they made it with two minutes left, they would have tried an onside kick for a chance to win, but... The kicker, Joey Sly, missed a 41-yard field goal. Those plans went down the toilet.
3: Did the level of motivation for the Miami Dolphins to trade for Deshaun Watson just go up a little bit with yet another injury to Tua Tungavailoa?
2: Chad Lake, would you trade for a quarterback who has 22 civil suits, 10 criminal investigations, 10 criminal complaints, FBI, NFL, and police investigations? Would you give up three ones, in two twos for quarterback in that situation, and you don't know when he's going to play. Likely not this year. Do you? Have you, you not met that? Chad? He lives very, very dangerously. <laughs> I would, edgy. John. I would make
3: the move if I had a damn good investigative team on my on my side that was looking into that t- whole situation, and I was told, "Hey, it's going to be okay. There's going to be no federal no, charges. Man, no. Everything's going to be fine." Then yes, I would make that move.
2: Well, the problem is there's nobody out there that knows that, including the NFL. The police and the FBI right now
1: how's Baker Mayfield after that game you saw him firsthand he hurt his shoulder um don't know the injury status uh, going into the practice week for him and then also Jarvis Landry for the Browns was banged up with a knee injury I
2: think he's on IR Landry Landry's out he's on IR and Baker Mayfield had an MRI no structural damage that's what happens when you try to make a tackle yeah after you throw an interception
1: I made the point earlier. This is not uh, this is a Texans team that's not laying down. I know they play in a couple nights uh, on Thursday Night Football, but uh, this was quite the game in Cleveland, despite the the ten point spread at the end, as you detailed. What do you expect Thursday night on a short week at zero and two, or excuse me, at one and one, coming off that loss with a two and zero Panthers team?
2: Before the season, in our football section, I picked the Texans to start two and one, beat the Panthers. I thought that would be with Tyrod Taylor. Now I'm picking the Panthers by 10. I picked the Browns by 10. It was 10. I just don't think a rookie quarterback. And uh, with a running game, the Texans run the ball a lot, but they don't run it well. Tyrod Taylor is a really good runner. He runs better than Deshaun Watson, but he's out. And even though Mills ran 4.66 and 4.55 at his pro day, He's a pocket passer. That's what he is. He can slide and avoid the rush, and he could run if he, w- if he wants to play breaks down, but he's not going to have design running play. So he's going to stay in the pocket. Panthers are number one in defense against the run and against the pass. Matt Rule who came from Baylor, brought his defensive coordinator, Phil Snow with him, and right now those guys are doing a great job.
0: The point of emphasis on the taunting rule is not being well-received by fans, and uh, I don't suspect players either. It doesn't seem to take much to get a flag on this, John. Um, A turn and a shrug or a flex, and uh, and out comes the hanky. What's your take on uh, what seems like a bunch of codgy old men uh, enforcing this? Mike Vrabel's on that side, too, but John Mara's been most outspoken.
2: Well, I'm a codgy old man, and I'll tell you, I saw one in Cleveland which Texans tied in Jordan Aikens, caused a 17-yard pass, jumped up, and he decided to spin the ball at his feet. He didn't look at the Browns. He didn't do it on the Browns' side. He just did it. Boom, there goes a the flag, 15-yard penalty to wipe out that 17-yard gain. So, as usual, the NFL is over-legislating, and I feel terrible for the officials because it's so subjective. They would rather err on the side of caution in other words, throw the flag so the boss doesn't chew them out in their weekly meetings, and I think it's preposterous.
1: You can celebrate all you want. You just can't look at the player and do it. <laughs>
2: There's an example of him not even looking at the player. Well, and, and
3: John, that's just looking at different examples from across the league, you know, you had a, just a ridiculous one in the, the Seahawks-Titans game where the defensive back makes a play and doesn't really look at the player but kind of flexes and is running back to the huddle and they throw the flag. Then you got Lamar Jackson doing somersaults into the end zone. And it's almost like the officials are saying, we're not going to do anything on a score, right? If it's a touchdown, if it's a play that big, the other example is Lamar Jackson picking up the first down that ends the game, slamming the ball to the turf, jumping up and down, no flag. It's just – it's odd how they're deciding to legislate the power. Not deciding.
1: That's how how the rule is written. You can't look at the player and taunt, but you can celebrate – with your teammates it's it's very bizarre because there's a chad's right there's a very fine line with that and the officials have to determine what is and what is not taunting and right now it's costing yardage big yardage in some cases
2: there used to be a thing called the icky shuffle with icky woods the bengals running back and he they were supposed to they were supposed to flag him for taunting when he did the icky shuffle in the end zone after touchdowns and so what he did is he'd go over on the sideline of the Bengals, and then he would do it for the fans and all the teammates and the league didn't say anything which was ridiculous you know let they leave the guys alone if a guy's running for a touchdown he turns around holds the ball out yeah waves it in their face or spikes it while they're down on the ground that's pretty obvious but these others are just ridiculous well
3: and john that's where it gets uh, difficult for me it's almost like the ruling on obscenity you know, you know it when you see it. Um, you gave the example of someone not looking at a player and celebrating, spinning the ball, and they throw a flag. Everyone's definition of taunting, I think, would be different. If I'm a player on the other team and I see a quarterback somersault into the end zone on the go-ahead score, I'm not going to do anything to the quarterback, but i probably take more exception to that than a guy who flexes one time looking at me <laughs> and then runs back to the huddle, right? It's just... It's going to be, I think, a problem for the league moving forward on how to decide what he is what. You and Paul
2: are both right because Paul said star power, and you said won't do it on a touchdown. Can you imagine if an official had a borderline taunting call and he took away a touchdown It cost a team that came? That's not what the NFL wants. But don't blame the officials. They're carrying out the orders. That's right. Blame the people at the NFL office for coming up with these bunch of nincompoops coming up with rules that nobody likes.
1: John, let's get into some week three matchups with you, starting with the Chargers who are hosting the Chiefs. Both teams coming off of losses last week and now a divisional matchup. There are many that are really buying Justin Herbert. And I mentioned earlier what Dallas's defense did against their offense, where Herbert was very good until he reached the red zone, and then that offense did not reach the end zone against Dallas's defense. Now facing Kansas City, we know it's going to take points to win. How do you think that game goes within the AFC West?
2: I remember when they moved to L.A. and played in that soccer stadium, and when the Chiefs played there, it was all Chiefs fans. And I think the Chiefs will have a huge presence in uh, the stadium and it will not be a home field advantage for the Chargers. And I think the Chiefs will bounce back. Have the Chiefs lost two in a row since Patrick Mahomes has become the starter? I'm guessing they haven't. I think they'll win this game handily.
1: If they lost, it's one of those games back-to-back where he went out with an an injury uh, and then came back whenever he returned and they lost – here in nashville in 2019 i don't know if they lost the game where he went out or not as the starter that's a great that's a great question um your thoughts on new england hosting the saints and this is a week before tom brady returns to foxborough
2: you know the fans and the media they're not talking about this game they're (laughs) talking about brady's homecoming and if you look at what happened to the saints against the panthers you're like what in the world they just blew out the Packers. But I'd like to see any team lose eight assistant coaches, including six offensive coaches, and not have it affect your offense in some fashion. Now, Jameis Winston could have taken the game over. He was awful, just awful. So I don't know if I expect a rookie quarterback to beat the Saints. I think Sean Payton's too good of a coach. You know, the Dolphins won in Foxborough by one. If they win by one, can't the Saints win by one? I'm going with the Saints.
1: You know, it's tough to read into stats all the time. The one stat you can look at on the rookie quarterbacks, and you went through what they've done. Mac Jones, no interceptions, no fumbles. And that is exactly how Bill Belichick wants it. No turnovers from the rookie. Manage the game. And Jones is doing that for that offense.
2: And he hasn't been put in a situation where he has to throw. One-point loss to the Dolphins in the opener, and then they get to play the Jets, one of the worst teams in the NFL. This is going to be a little bit better test because the Saints are good. They're coached well. That first game, they looked like they were going to win the Super Bowl the way they waylaid the Packers, and then they came back down to earth. You hope all their coaches are back. You hate to see teams because of COVID-19 lose, but I'm guessing the COVID-19 cost them that game. And I think it's going to cost other teams games as well. But this is a much better test for Mac Jones. Brady's busy the week
0: before he goes back to New England with a hell of a matchup. Bucks at Rams. I think maybe a preview of the NFC Championship game. Uh, Rams have been really good. Bucks doing a lot of picking up where they left off. Which direction are you leaning there?
2: The Buccaneers have won 10 consecutive games and averaged 34.7 points in those. 10 games. That is amazing. They had, if they averaged another 10 points a game, they'd average the quarterback's age. i I tell you, the Rams have won two games. They won at home. They went on the road and they beat Indy. It was a close game. I'd like to think this is a great test for the Rams. If the Buccaneers lose, so what? They're the defending Super Bowl champions. I don't think the Rams are going to be able to run the ball. They've got another back it's hurt. I think Tampa Bay is going to win. I think the only people that might be looking ahead are Brady and Grant, but they know how to compartmentalize. I think Tampa Bay is going to win it. I think based on what I've seen so far, guys, I don't know what you think, but they could threaten to go unbeaten in regular season like Brady did uh, in 2007 with Randy Moss. They're that good, and I also think, look at the Packers. Packers aren't as good as we thought. Neither are the yeah. Saints. Uh, is is the nfc are the rams the second best team in the nfc is it the cardinals is it the seahawks right now the nfc is down so why not the bucks going unbeaten?
1: there'll be a lot of talk about the quarterback play in that game rams and bucks this game comes down to which offensive line can control the line of scrimmage against the opposition up front because the bucks do not get enough credit for how disruptive they are the rams They're get right. a ton of it and right for and rightfully so but uh, watching watching the Bucks play, I went back and watched their game this past week against Atlanta, and sue and Vita Vea get after you, and that they engulf the interior offensive line. Uh, can the Rams hold up against that? Can Edges Stafford hold up too. against that? And the can uh, the the, uh, the opposite of that is a, a game plan, you know, star number one. If you're playing the Rams in trying to defi- uh, trying to go up against and protect your quarterback against Aaron Donald in that front for the Rams. Which which offense can get the run game going because that's going to open up the 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 options for the veteran?
2: Well, these are both passing teams and you know when Brady's at the line of scrimmage and you see him point for the first time, he's going to be pointing at Aaron Donald yes. making sure his guys know exactly what their assignments are supposed to be, and I can't wait to watch Donald getting after him because Donald, he's he's going to get doubled all the time, sometimes triple team. And uh, the Rams, Matthew Stafford, how many times in Detroit did he have a big game early in the season? Not many. He didn't have many big ones. Middle of the season, he never had big ones after Thanksgiving, except one time. So this is a big deal for him. And you know he would love to win this game and outplay Brady, and uh, show everybody back in Detroit what he could have been if they had a good, better coach and put a better team around him. But I'm not picking against the Bucks till they lose.
1: John McLean, you can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always. We love doing this with you each week. We'll catch up with you next Tuesday, and uh, we'll be. Looking for you up at the press box for Thursday night football. Whenever they scan the coaching booth, maybe you're next
2: door. Yeah, that that press box is so far up, I think you need a <laughs> two coach uh, to like a sour. get it. Jonathan, Jonathan Paul, and Chad. Like, thank you guys very much. have a great rest of the week. Thanks, Same John. to you, Thanks,
1: John. John, John Again, follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. You know, Rams and and Bucks sounds like a Sunday night football it game. It's be. not because. Green Bay and San Francisco are the Sunday night football game. Man, they should flip those. Monday night. It, why should they flip them? That's going to be a hell of a game. Oh yeah, well, that's uh, a good
0: game, too. This this is. I, I, I just. I really want to see this Bucks rams game. I really want to see it. I'd see the uh, Sunday night game. I don't see necessarily me, Sunday afternoon.
3: Let me give a prediction. The NFL is going to win with either one of those Ooh. games in primetime. <laughs> I mean, that, that they got two oh, really good ones to decide between with yeah, those two.
1: And important to note, Jimmy Garoppolo has not been playing like a quarterback who is worried about Trey Lance being there. No. At 2-0. Really solid. Both wins on the road for San Francisco. That's their home opener against Green Bay. Uh, Rogers back in the Bay Area. I mean, it's it's quite the storyline.
3: What do you guys think about the question that I asked John? What would your answer be? NFL owners, if they had a vote, what would be their choice? Jay-Z or Jeff Bezos? Bezos. The Broncos.
0: I, I think there's a strong the rationale for both. Uh, they certainly would like a, a, a strong African-American owner um, in, in Jay-Z, but Bezos is so much richer. I mean, you
3: can't say so much He's so much richer than everybody, right? He's the richest guy there is. Yeah, he's the richest guy in the world. And also, I guess my – I would initially, when I think about the question, say automatically Jeff Bezos – but then I think the egos of the guys and women in that club, would they want to bring someone richer and more powerful than them into their club or would they that's, want to stay the richest and most powerful?
1: They want to continue to get richer on the world. Now, that's why they welcomed him in Vegas after saying for years they never would.
3: Now, I, would he have to deve- – how would that work? Has a media company owner owned a team? Well, he's Isn't that no, a conflict of interest well, if he's He's, he's no longer with
1: Amazon, right?
3: He, I guess he sold Amazon, but doesn't he have still have some sort of say on their board? I don't know. They'll figure it out if yeah. they have to. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm not sure about that. Things I don't know to Amazon the There's about. something
0: out now that Amazon's 90% certain to be hiring uh, Al Michaels. Um, really? Yeah, which – means they're destined to have the streaming rights to which Thursday means he night was never
1: retiring when they hired to
0: after this well he didn't know what was going to come about he might have been planning on retiring and
3: amazon comes and says we're paying that you amazon, amazon and level in.
0: money <laughs> and, and uh you know we'll get you as many west coast games as possible, you know whatever
3: jeff bezos could bring a lot of people out of retirement that's for sure yeah um, you know, I, still, there's stuff to be figured out with streaming.
0: I said this again. We were talking about the Manning cast earlier. And when it goes to ESPN+, Plus, they better have it down that it's not behind. Because I think that's another thing that would hurt it. If it's a play behind and I'm getting plays on Twitter before I'm getting them from the Manning well, cast. You're getting them
1: anyway, though, on that Twitter.
0: That hurts the Manning cast.
1: Uh, I, I've, I've told mm. you before, like, FanDuel is a play ahead of everything. I know. Look at the live odds for Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football. It and adjusts. just watch them as you watch it live on television.
0: I know, but I'm not watching that live odds thing in a way that's impacting my enjoyment of the game. But if I'm seeing the play tweeted out, reaction to the play before the broadcast shows it to me that's got a real impact on my viewing streaming needs to take the next notch for all things so that it's not behind the actual game to that degree Um, and i think they've got to figure that out before important stuff is streamed and streamed only
1: hit us up on twitter at outkick 360 coming up uh, let's discuss tom brady Thomas. Tom Brady. And, and more than just the, the start that he's on over the first two weeks, let's compare that to the quarterbacks right now in the league. That is straight ahead on Outkick 360. You can find us on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook. Just search out Outkick 360. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Chad. Here on OutKick360, we are heard right now, Florence, Alabama, Knoxville, Tennessee, and beyond, Muscle Shoals, Huntsville, Alabama. For those listening in those areas, what would you like them to do with the YouTube channel?
3: I would love for them to subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's very easy to do. You go to YouTube.com. And then? You search OutKick360. There's a little thumbs-up icon. We have a goal for tomorrow. You click on that thumbs-up icon. You will be alerted. You are subscribed at that point. You'll be alerted when we go live. We are very close to 3,000 subscribers on our own OutKick 360 YouTube channel, so please go subscribe there. Isn't there a bell involved? Did you like how Isn't I just moved closer involved? to you? During that break, I, I looked at the camera, and I was like, i was, like, was I too far away from Hutton, and I started to scoot yeah, move just, over just a little bit closer.
1: Give me your hand. There's no need for two chairs, is there? <laughs> I think Why we need two do chairs?
0: Why the two chairs? Maybe we should do a couch
3: setup at some point. Love why, seat. why the two orders love i like seat. that i like colonel nathan yeah. jessup references love seat for you too and then i'll be over here yeah
1: are you ready uh, so we're not into hot takes right at least i'm not i don't but like the phrase friday, hot at, five. I'm not, I'm friday not, at
0: five he's <laughs> in <into> the hot takes <laughs>
1: so yes <I'm> i am <laughs> getting paid for it i am uh, i am intrigued I, I am into takes that i actually believe in tom brady is the best quarterback in the nfl today they're they're being lumped in with oh, Mahomes and uh, Josh Allen, Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL playing right now, and it really it's not even close. When you watch him play over the last two weeks, it's been impressive. Gronkowski, uh, I don't have him in fantasy. If I had, if you have Rob Gronkowski in fantasy football. He's, le- he's the leading scorer among all tight ends right now, and he has two touchdowns in each of the first two games, and these aren't little layup passes in the red zone no. that he's scoring on. This is an impressive Buccaneers offense, and at 44 years old, you can't have any conversation without mentioning Brady's age. At 44, I maintain he is the best quarterback playing. I'm a huge fan of Brady. I wouldn't have said this last year. Mahomes would have gotten the nod. At times, Josh Allen was the best quarterback towards the end of the year. Brady's the best right now, and I, to me, it's not even close. I,
0: I think you're right. Gronkowski, I worry about. I think his output early is fantastic. He looks fantastic right now. I worry he breaks down as things sure, go. too. And 17 games a long time for a guy like that. But they're using him more.
1: The, uh, so I, get, I, I, get it out of I don't now. want to say wrinkle or, or they're adding layers. Gronkowski's always been a huge target for Brady. Watching them and how they're implementing him in their passing game, it's almost like that is a wrinkle based on how much they used him in the run blocking a year ago, or just to be a – not a decoy, but you know what I mean, be in the way. Uh, He's releasing a lot more now, and now he's making – I mean, he's making some really difficult catches. He made one diving catch in the end zone that I I think receivers would be hard-pressed to make. I
0: also kind of say with him, like like Mike Vrabel thinks about Derrick Henry, like – I'm not worried about next year. I'm going to get everything out of him I can now. I almost think you think about Gronkowski like that during the season. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about measuring him out for 17 games. I'm going to get everything I can out of him for as long as I can get it out of him. Then hopefully we'll get him healthy for the playoffs. But if he peters out week 10 for a while, well, we'll just suffer the
3: consequences of that. We have a lot of other op- uh, uh, options as well. Gronk talked about this last night when he was on with the Mannings and saying how they're doing so much more now of him blocking and then going out. I mean, if release. you look at his touchdowns, it's not the old Gronk of just him as a jumbo receiver. It's him on the line blocking, releasing, and, and he's open, and And his catch radius is that enormous. That like always works all been. the
0: time with the great tight ends. If you just start to block, especially in red zone, right? You start to block. And people think, oh, he's blocking. And then you come off the block and you really how many touchdowns do we see like that with Kelsey and Gronk and Waller and, and people like that?
3: Well, like, and, and Gronk even said the, the one thing that, by the way, Rob Gronkowski last night with him. I mean, total meathead, this guy. Some of the things that he said, but entertaining at all times. doesn't also watch film with the unless you put it in well, front he, of him. He admitted that he had, doesn't watch film and that and maybe he was joking a little bit. But he said, I just go to Tom at the end of the week and say, who's covering me? What are their tendencies? And Tom watches so much film that he tells me everything going on and that's all he needs. He says the only film he watches is what the coaches show him in meetings. But anyways, with, with Gronk and his play now, he was talking with the Mannings and said, at my age and taking that, that time off, it's the blocking that's the physical jolt to my system to get me going. He said, there's an adrenal, adrenaline rush with the defensive player coming after you and you making that physical contact during a game that kind of shocks his body into its proper place during a game, which I found interesting. Hutton, I might surprise you with this. I think it's a quote-unquote hot take to claim anyone else is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, other than Brady. That's how dominant. Well, it he's would about. be
1: Mahomes. Yeah. It would be I mean, Mahomes. Mahomes. It's definitely not Rodgers right now. I'm, but but see, no. Mahomes is just the automatic reply across the league now. Yeah, he's right. the best quarterback in the league. He owns the title, not this so Not this league right now. I mean, I, not when you watch Brady play through two weeks. And we'll see him go to L.A. and he's got to play the Rams. Mahomes will probably be outstanding against the, the Chargers. And... Uh, the, the Bucks defense is a, a lot better than the Chiefs' defense is right now with the, the points that the Chiefs have allowed over the first two weeks, over 65 points, I believe, combined. My point, though, is when you watch Brady play, I, I can't wrap my head around this aspect. Paul and I, Chad, you were there too. We were in the building in Foxborough when he threw his final pass with the New England Patriots. It was a playoff win for the Titans. Logan Ryan picked it off. There was no zip on that pass. Uh, not on that pass but on his arm you know people were talking about how he's lost his arm strength it was a dumbed down version of what we had seen from that offense in years past they just not did not look very explosive at all and last year combined with this year what they're doing offensively in Tampa and the zip and the arm strength that we're seeing and the energy and boost that this offense has with him at quarterback I don't know how it ended the way it did in New England to where we are now because he wasn't the best quarterback in his final year of New England. And to me, he is at the top of the mountain again at 44. Well,
0: the change of scenery, it did wonders for him. Um, You know, it's – I don't want to call it an oppressive regime. (laughs) <laughs> but in a lot of ways, you know, when you're there that long, it was kinda but kind of became a oppressive regime, right? Playing in Beijing no, apparently. And, he, and I mean, let's face it, for the last four or five years there he had one he was a one receiver offense. And and at the end of that last year you're talking about Edelman was out of It was not a one mistaken. receiver
1: offense with Mike Evans too when he when he went there.
0: Well, no, he had Godwin is a
1: very good receiver also. Not not anywhere close to what he's doing now with Brady.
0: No, but he's a. Uh, Godwin would have been the number one receiver on a, a high 70% of his Patriots teams. He would have been the number one receiver. And now he's got Godwin and Evans and Gronkowski. Uh, I mean and Antonio loaded. Brown, who's been very and good. Antonio, Antonio Brown, who I mean, everyone wrote off
1: in Oakland, right? But he the, has a Raiders. way of
0: shining up anybody like that, and making them great. So I mean, he's in absolute heaven with what he's got. It's completely re-energizing process. Arians is a completely different kind of guy than Belichick. Not in the same category by any means. But when when you're Brady, I mean, it's been it's been fantastic.
1: It's been the best. It's been awesome. When we get Peyton on Monday night and Brady playing every week at a very high level. And keep this in mind, too. Gronkowski was willing to not play, then play for the New England Patriots when he learned that they were going to trade him. But now he's playing with Brady at a very high level as well, the top of the league at tight end. Coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.